first of all, let me get this stuff with my dad. They don't want to get a nasty tweet from Donald Trump. I wish he'd stay off Twitter. I don't care. I don't care anymore. Either way. Why are you here? You're supposed to be asleep. I am here determined to stop this future atrocity. It's just not a natural thing we would do in our society. You don't see that. Yes. Two things that have only never let me down in this entire country's history. The First Amendment and Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. Let me tell you, the one that matters is me. Well, uh, Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty, who host the popular uh, radio talk show, ask the same question of their listeners, and here's their response. Chloe, what's for dinner tonight? This is Ed McMahon, and now, here's Armstrong and Getty. So Michael Douglas, did he do that or not? Do we know? Don't think he did? Michael Douglas? I hope he didn't do it. I'm not hip to that. He says he didn't do it. He preemptively came out and says that the story that's about to come out is not true in any way whatsoever. Well, if Michael Douglas says it, it's good enough for me. Okay. Never lied to me yet. Well, more on that later. Live from Studio C. See, senor? A dimly lit room deeper than the bowels of the Armstrong and Getty Communications compound. And today, halfway through the week, we're under the tutelage of our general manager. Die! Yeah, mudslides. Mudslides like the third world in California. How many dead, Marsh? Fifteen now. Fifteen people yep. killed by mudslides. Yeah. In the United States, this is a tragedy. That's a caveman death right and there. And it's terrible. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I'm just so shocked. I understand mudslides in California. I understand fire, then rain. I understand why it happens. I just don't understand how... You know, it could happen that suddenly that uh, in a modern land that then many people would be killed. It's terrible. Michael Douglas says he got wind that the Hollywood Reporter was coming out with a story saying yeah. that he once worked it in front of uh, co-workers. Oh, oh, Lord. Oh, my. Oh, my. Nobody wants that. 32 years ago. Literally nobody wants that. Uh, no. Uh, and he says there's nothing true about it at all. So he wanted Brought to jump himself out. out. So he wanted to jump out in front of that train. That's a pretty big star right there. Not as big now as he used to be, but at one time mm-hmm. he was about as big a movie yeah. star as you could get on the planet. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's funny, Jack. I've uh, I've had the pleasure, the honor of of knowing some adult women in the biblical sense in my life, and there are a number of different things that can please a woman. Perhaps Marshall could weigh in here as well. There are many, many. Some call them kinks. Uh, I call them preferences. There are many. They are broad ranging. My God, the 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 magnitude of desire among human beings, isn't it something? But not a single woman. Wants a guy in the workplace <laughs> yes. to start jerking it. Yes. Not one. Yes. Not one. Absolutely. <laughs> Not one? <laughs> Not one. No. Dang. Hmm. There was an Indonesian gal who used to like it. She died. <laughs> We're back to zero. <laughs> 32 years ago. Back to none. Everybody keep that in mind. Yeah. Uh, let's introduce everybody in the squad. There's our board operator, Michelangelo, pressing buttons, flipping toggles, pulling levers. How are you this morning, Michael? Oh, I'm frustrated this morning. I'm trying. I'm getting ready for the Consumer Electronics Show. I'm be leaving for Vegas soon. And uh, my, my dryer dies. I, I go to... Oh. Uh, 
you know, I, I'm getting all these clothes ready for to travel with, and then all of a sudden I go to open the door, and smoke comes out of the dryer. Well, you don't want that. No. So <laughs> not hey, unless you ordered your clothes smoky style. I'm going. Okay, this uh-huh. is not good, and this and the clothes aren't drying. So uh, I end up calling my parents at like seven o'clock last night, and I say, uh, I got a whole basket full of wet clothes. Can I use your dryer? Your, you know, your so I go over there and I get them dried and so that that's good. Then I come home and the pet feeder, the electronic pet feeder, that you know, it dies. Feed your iguana. That feeds the cat. <laughs> feed your cat. So I'm not sure how this cat can get fed now for two days. So hey, Michael is really right. big into the Florida iguana rescue movement right now. <laughs> the cat will so be all right. Cool. Yeah. A couple days without food, it probably could use uh, lose a little weight anyway. You get a little motivating to do some mousing, huh? When are yeah. you leaving for Vegas? Uh, this, late this afternoon. Okay, I have some questions about that. We'll talk about that later. Okay. Uh, there is Positive Sean, whose smile lights up the room. How are you, Sean? Doing very well, and I would like to take this moment to wish a very special happy birthday to one positive mom. It was on this day in the year of our Lord, 1900, <laughs> that she was born. Oh, and, right. And uh, it was a, uh, it's a fantastic thing, because without her being born... I would not be here, so from a selfish perspective, happy birthday to you, Mom. Can't wait to see you later today. That's airtight logic. That's awesome. And it just occurred to me, there is a, there, there's, a, there's a window of time where most people would rather not have the year they were born or their age thrown out there. Then you reach an age where you want it to be out there, it would sure. seem, where yeah. it's you, you regularly tell people how old you are. Proud of it. So from, like, I'm thinking mid to late 40s to about 70-something... You want to keep it quiet. Then after that, you want everybody to know, I'm 75 years old. Did you know I'm 88 years old? Right. Yeah. It's interesting. There's Marshall Phillips, who does our news every day. How are you, Marshall? Well, we've got other celebrity birthdays to add to the list. We've got heavyweight boxer and promoter of grilling machines, George Foreman, turning 69 today. It knocks out the fat, you know. <laughs> we got you. Mm. What an interesting human being, George Foreman. He certainly is. He's got an interesting net worth. Do you have any guess? I know it's a lot. It's shocking, you. shocking amount. It's all about the grills, more than the money. Indeed. $310 million. Wow, and I wonder how much of that was boxing money. Mostly grills. No, he was he was almost bankrupt after his first round of uh, of uh, boxing, yeah, and he many. went back in late and made uh, about twelve million dollars on that. You know, I'm forty years old. Yeah. I'm going back in the ring. Then he started doing all of his endorsements. Three hundred ten million dollars, and we've got rocker Rod Stewart turning seventy three today. He's his, in our heart. He's in our soul. His net worth two hundred thirty five million dollars. Did, uh, didn't we find out Keith Richards has only like one hundred and seventy mil or something yeah, like that? Yeah. How does yeah. Rod Stewart have more money than Keith Richards? I suppose I'd have to ask their accountant. Exactly. So George Foreman, I was talking the other day yeah. about very few people, you know, make, make drastic changes in their lives, and he he is one who made a complete one eighty in his life, right? Just all of a sudden, yeah. After, from just a mean thug to uh, to to God fearing Christian, smiles right. all the time, loves right. everybody, yeah. in like an instant, which yeah. is just a, a, have have psychiatrists studied that or anything? I mean, it's just amazing. Is there a good biography of him out there? I don't know. I don't want to know that much about the grill business. No. Honestly, I hope that's a short no, but chapter. Go, but, but going right. from street thug right. who hated everybody and wanted to kill everybody to walking around with a smile on your face loving everybody. I mean, yeah. how often does that happen? Became a man of the Lord, a man of the cloth. Yeah, yeah. Preacher. The Bible! And named all his kids George. George. Right. <laughs> I want a chapter on that. Interesting uh, on its own. Uh, I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty on this. It is How Did It Get to Be Already? Wednesday, January the 10th. Setting you straight in 21-8. We are Armstrong and Getty, and we approve of this program. I do like that slogan. All right, let's begin the show officially now, according to FCC rules and regulations. Here we go. 
And Mark. If we do this properly, DACA, you're not so far away from comprehensive immigration reform. And if you want to take it that further step, I'll take the heat. I don't care. I don't care. I'll take all the heat you want to give me. And I'll take the heat off both the Democrats and the Republicans. There you go. We'll give you a longer version of that, a taste of that meeting yesterday that they, uh, they let the press watch for like an hour. and It's interesting. Oh, yeah, that was good stuff. It ought to happen more. I don't know if the president's about to give away the farm on immigration or, or, or it's part of the art of the deal or what's going on. I'm not sure he's familiar with the issues. Hmm. Well, we'll discuss that more. Indeed. Boy, my man Kevin McCarthy had to keep jumping in and saying, yeah, but we're gonna, aren't we? That's <laughs> what I'm saying. <laughs> Trump kept saying, yeah, that sounds good to me. And the Republicans are like, ah, wait a minute. Not so much. Um, what are other headlines, Marshall? Well, we're talking about it, the deadly rivers of mud in California. We are going to give you an update there. A surefire way to cut down on sugar. And another A-list actor fighting back against claims of sexual harassment. Stories coming up 635, Armstrong and Getty. How about all those women who signed on to a we're going too far with this hashtag? Uh-huh. We got to talk about that. That's interesting. Provocative. Yeah. How's mailbag going? Oh, it's outstanding. Listener Brian uh, poses the challenge. Try to find a better headline today than this. What is this? We'll reveal it next. Oh, cool. I'll stay tuned for that. That's good stuff. Hey, Milo Yiannopoulos on the show a little bit later this morning. Oh, a provocateur. Yeah, and we'll have to discuss that before we discuss with him. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. has the Super Bowl this year, and apparently they're gearing up trying to figure out how to handle protests that may uh, occur on the field, unplanned, unwanted, whether they cut away or focus on it or that Are we talking about players? Uh, anybody, I guess. Anybody? Okay. Hmm. You never know. You got to be ready. These are protesty times. God, I'll tell you what. You bring that into the Super Bowl, <laughs> you take another giant hit. In terms of something that's just fun to hang around. Introduce oh. that into your Super Bowl party so everybody gets to discuss that. Oh, boy. Yeah. Fantastic. I hope not. Yeah. Yeah. Mailbag. So, uh, Brian, pose the headline. Try to find a better headline than this today. I dare you. <clears throat> Here's your headline. And, yes, we will be sharing the story with you in a bit. <clears throat> Charlie Daniels issues grim warning to Taco Bell about the Illuminati. Uh, it's pretty hard to not click on that. Pretty strong, Brian. Pretty hard to not click on that. Pretty damn strong. You want to hear my surprising question for Milo Yiannopoulos, who we have on later in the program? Sure, why not? <laughs> yeah. I want to know. First, I got to ask him if he's watching The Bachelor, which he's probably going to say no because he's a man of letters. Why would you ask him that? Because I want him to tell me, as a gay man, if he thinks the current Bachelor is gay. Oh, I see. Because I think the, the current Bachelor may be gay, which, would, of course, would be quite the scandal. Because you got 25 young la- lovelies throwing themselves at him. And I'm wondering if my Leonopolis would have any insight to that. I think the only way to restore the order to the universe is that if the guy turns out to be gay. <laughs> that's, that's the only outcome that I would enjoy and approve of. <clears throat> Teach those harlots what, to, what is and isn't love, huh? All right, moving along. 
Uh, here's uh, Henry from uh, Benidorm, Spain. We already have a global show. Joe. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I never threw that in at any point. I'm sorry. Not that there's anything wrong with it. Well, I'd say there is something wrong with a gay man deluding 25 harlots into believing he might fall in love with them. Good point. Unless there is they're on an idiotic show <laughs> that is one of the signs of the apocalypse or at least the decline and fall of the American empire. Mm. Right. Uh, Henry from Spain writes, Joe, please make your New Year's resolution to repeat the field goal in 2018. Wow. Ah, my legendary 35-yard field goal, followed up by one that was probably good from 50. Um, uh, Henry, there is exactly zero chance of that happening. None. Really? Zero. Physically yeah. can't do it anymore? Well, uh, I might be able to, but at the time, I was like... Seven years into coaching soccer, I kicked balls all the time. Mm-hmm. Now I'm like seven years out of that. And so, no, no, I'm weak as a lamb. Nah, it'd take like all my time. And I'd probably injure myself repeatedly like old Marshall. So that was basically your last glory moment, that uh, one field goal. In terms of sports heroism? Yeah. Uh, un- uh, unquestionably. God, time Unless I like, cool. make a hole in one or something one of these days. Time is cruel because that wasn't very long ago. You you willingly went out and kicked the field goal. No oh, big I guarantee deal. you I could do it. And now you yeah. say you wouldn't even try. And I'm the no. same way with the, the trying to race somebody, uh, you know, just walking out and sprinting. I No chance I'm going to do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just seems like a, yesterday that I did it. Hey, you, yo, 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 what? Am I all right? <laughs> Somebody check me. Uh, you young studs out there, the years between 35 and 50 are no joke. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> God's not effing around. Oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> you know, Joe, if you had known that was going to be your last kick, you would have enjoyed it more. You would have, you know, really savored that moment. You know, I jumped up and down quite a bit. <laughs> I I did quite the field goal dance. It wasn't a touchdown dance, but uh, yeah. Do we that video? Can can we repost the link so people can find it under hot links? The the brilliant. And then there's the documentary done by the fabulous Matt Gray at Gray Family Films. Um, which is like a, how long was that? I can't remember how long. But there was a documentary about uh, the uh, the lead up to kicking the field goal. Wow, that was hilarious. <laughs> anyway, Armstrong and Getty Radio dot com. Moving along to more uh, weighty fare. Hey, Rocket and Old Simple Jack writes Robert. You guys were talking about the intellectual honesty of Congress when it comes to subjects like states' rights. Oh yeah, yeah. If you're a, a conservative. Um, and, and it suits you. You howl about how, you know, the states are a laboratory of democracy and we have a right to try things and there's federal overreach, blah, blah, blah. And then Jeff Sessions comes along, who's made that cry many times through his career. And all of a sudden, absolutely no way any state should be able to legalize marijuana. Um, and so he, all of a sudden he's anti-laboratories of democracy. And it happens on the left all the freaking time as well. Um, you know, principle is, is a tool. It's like a screwdriver that politicians pick up when they need it. And then they put it down. And in my house, damn it, they better put it back in the tool chest in the drawer it's supposed to be in. But it's a tool they use. It's, it's not something they wear all the time. Anyway, Robert says, uh, that inspired me to paraphrase an idiom from my days in the Marine Corps. Intellectual honesty among congressional members is like virginity among prostitutes. They all want to appear to have it, but nobody believes they do. Chacaron, chacaron, Robert from Soggy San Diego. Fantastic. Yeah, no kidding, Soggy. Uh, Thank you, brother. 
my wife, <laughs> my wife wrote me a haiku, writes Dave. Michael, if I could have the uh, the theme music to the the beautiful, the gentle, the thought provoking Japanese art of the haiku. Jack, are you familiar with the format of the haiku? The childish, the pointless art of the haiku. That would be the five syllables, the seven syllables, then the five. <clears throat> this is from Dave's wife to Dave. <clears throat> Your whiskers are black. The porcelain sink is white. Are you effing blind? Ew. Mm. The beautiful Japanese art of the haiku. Now, Michael, keep that handy, and I'll explain why in a moment. Jill writes, You guys talking about Oprah for president? I just want to see if Oprah would get all the fat jokes Chris Christie got. Kind of doubt it. You can't make jokes about black women without being called a racist. I don't think you'd make jokes about her even if she was white for being fat. Really? You can't make jokes about a woman for being fat the way you can a man. Michael, the haiku music again, please. I like how Sean's got his eyes closed so he can really appreciate it. I'm shutting off all other senses (laughs) so I can just really hear the beauty of the poetry. You're in the moment. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful, Sean. Thank you. Go ahead. Thank you. Oprah may run, yes, but she won't run very far. Yep, that's a fat joke. (laughs) The beautiful Japanese art of the haiku. Yeah, I don't think you can make fun of uh, women being fat the way you can men being fat. Just the way it is. It's a double standard, and I'm fine with it, actually. Um, well, yeah, it, part of it has to do with the physiology and metabolism and sure. survival and motherhood and yeah, that, that's the rest part of, of it. That yeah. is part of it. Yeah. Um, and Oprah came up uh, first half hour. So, again, the streak oh. continues. Oh, no. As uh, mm. I wonder at what point Oprah doesn't come up. I think I said yesterday it would be a solid week. Yeah. Oh, I'll that bet. Occurred. I'll bet. Yeah. Michael, do we have time for one more really quickly? We're talking about how smartphones and apps and social media and all ruins kids' brains, and everybody knows it, and nobody's arguing in favor of it. Uh, well, Eric and Boise writes, we already have a national show. Today, you asked, the, oh, there, I already set it up. Whether there's anything, are anyone arguing they more or do more good than ill? There are, and they do. I started a Waldorf school here in Boise, and Waldorf schools are renowned for their stance that children should wait until they are more mentally developed before engaging with phones, tablets, etc., as studies have suggested. Even so, we have countless complaints that children need to get an early start with the technology in order to be able to, quote, keep up with the modern world. There are also arguments for educational apps that have the same scientific reliability behind them as fidget spinners. Maybe they just want the pocket-sized babysitter, but I'd rather things like head-bashing sports and mentally damaging apps went the way of the cigarette. Wait, we still do that kind of obvious self-harm, too, don't we? KFTC, keep forgetting those consequences. Eric and Boise. Hmm. I think a bunch of things are being conflated there. Hmm. Are they? Yeah, I think the, the suicide and depression, the Facebook, the social pressure, all that stuff, I'm not sure that has that much to do with... Looking at the screen of a phone or a... It's a, it's a tool. It can be used for good or ill. Yeah. I just think Eric and his, his folks think probably more likely ill than good. Yeah. Oh, also, Eagle Idahoans were a little uh, angry at our dismissal of their town as a backwater. We apologize for that. More uh, on that later. Marshall's News on Trump's interesting maneuver yesterday on the Armstrong and Getty Show. This is Armstrong and Getty. The Voice of the West.
NBC says during the Super Bowl they will show players kneeling if they do during the national anthem, and then they will explain why the players are kneeling. They will? That's what NBC says. Have the players explain why they're kneeling. Hmm? What are they going to say? I think you They're gotta... kneeling to protest social injustice. Who's in favor of social injustice? I don't like you if you are. <laughs> Let's get to the news now with Marshall Phillips. Now, first fly, uh, fires and now mudslides. We've got at least 15 people killed by that Southern California storm that brought flash floods and slides with authorities in Santa Barbara County now trying to get to other areas where people may still be injured or trapped after a mudslide moved in and swept away dozens of homes. Santa Barbara County Sheriff Bill Brown on that devastation. The only words I can really think of to describe what it looked like was it looked like a World War I battlefield. It was literally um, a carpet of mud and debris. Now, a lot of celebrities live in that area. Oprah's home is one of the many damaged by the slide. She posted a video on Instagram last night having her walking through the backyard of her Montecito home in Santa Barbara County. This is how deep the mud is. Walking through the mud while the helicopters fly overhead. God doesn't want Oprah to run for president. Mm. I think that's pretty clear. Court issues blockage of the stoppage of DACA. A federal judge will not let the Trump administration end the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals Immigration Program. The U.S. District Court judge in San Francisco saying the administration needs to again accept renewal applications for the program protecting from deportation young immigrants who were brought to the U.S. illegally as children. Good for you if you're following these back and forths when one judge says, go ahead, and another judge says, stop, and another judge says, go ahead some more, and another judge says, stop. All based on what policy they want. Never mind law and enforcing it, interpreting it. I'm going to wait until the Supreme Court makes their final ruling before I weigh in. Meanwhile, President Trump hosted a bipartisan meeting with lawmakers yesterday saying an immigration deal could be reached in two phases by dealing with dreamers and border security in what he called... It should be a bill of love, and we can do that. But it also has to be a bill where we're able to secure our border... Now, an hour of that meeting was broadcast live, roundtable on immigration. Who could be against a bill of love? Well, the meeting was really interesting yep. to watch. It was good to see the horse trading and the and the, and the jawing back and forth and the negotiating. It's really enlightening, and there ought to be more of that. On the other hand, the president was a different human being than he was on the campaign trail. And I'm sh- I'll, I'll shave off the 25% that it was just obviously pandering to the crowd to get cheers and those cheering people at the, the rallies didn't think Mexico was going to pay for the wall. They just thought it was really funny. So I'm not talking about that 25%. I'm talking about more solid statements of policy. He was wildly different during that meeting than he was. Saying, Republicans and Democrats, right. you come up with a bill, I'll sign it. I trust you. Well, they've been wildly disingenuous about immigration, both sides, for decades. So he specifically he said, said so. whatever you put in front of me, I will sign. Right. Um, which is an interesting position to take from a whole leadership standpoint. Yes. <laughs> Whatever you come up with, I w- I'm willing to sign. Yeah, how about, hey, Trump backers, where was the, I'll sign it if it has this, and this, and this. Because that's what I promised the American people, and that's what I got elected on. Well, then Where l- was that? Later last night, he tweeted, there, but there will be a wall. So, I don't, you know, I don't know where that leaves things. All right. Um, it, it's so frustrating, obviously, because it's so incredibly solvable. Um, 
I think the vast majority of people, some of you are hardcore, no amnesty for any, any under any situation, but the majority of people would be, all right, everybody that's here can stay here and make them citizens if you want. If we don't let anybody else in illegally, yeah. again, we're right. done with that. Right. I think that you'd easily get a majority of people agree with that. Uh, but immediately. No, but nobody believes it because we've been lied to over and over again. Mm-hmm. That you're gonna make you're gonna make everybody legal and then you don't secure the border, and then we have millions and more of people come in. And we all know the game. You either want the cheap labor if you're a if you're a Wall Street journal type, or you want the votes if you're a Democrat. And it's just so freaking frustrating. They're all so phony on this. It's the it's the most disturbing issue, I think, in our democracy. Well, it's shows enlightening. That, it, it shows you that a democracy sometimes cannot function when you've got 80% agreement yeah. among people across the country. You still can't get anything done. It's very frustrating. You know what it is? It's disillusioning in, in, in the literal sense. It makes you lose your illusions. Not a reference to the, uh, the uh, what do you call it, Guns N' Roses albums of the same title. It makes you realize, see reality. Yeah. Neither party is serious about it. They never have been. All right, for those of you with resolutions to lose weight, it turns out that spending an extra 90 minutes in bed may not seem like an obvious way to lose weight, but according to a new study, it could be the key to shedding those excess pounds. Per day or per week or with 90 minutes? 90 minutes a night. Oh, well, that's a lifestyle change. Come which, on. Which is fine, but Bring it on. that is a serious lifestyle change. I'm, you're going to spend an hour and a half extra in bed. I'm willing to take do. on that challenge. You sound like you're not even going to try. <laughs> Scientists from Night after night? That's right. Scientists from King's College in London discovered people who sleep for longer are less likely to pick sugary treats or reach for comforting carbohydrates. Because you're asleep? No, lack of, <laughs> lack of sleep. You're not reaching for anything. Maybe lack, scratch your butt as you roll over. Lack of sleep's already been known to be a risk oh, yeah. factor for obesity because it alters levels of hormones which control your appetite. But That's it, absolutely true. I don't get enough sleep. I'm ravenous the entire next morning. But it's crazy. New studies showed that by getting more sleep, people naturally choose healthier foods within a week. Eating on average 10 grams less sugar each day and cutting way back on the carbs. So here you go. Sleep longer, lose weight. By the way, people are really enjoying this new year of your junk science. The, the <laughs> textures are it's already a, It's a strong in. start, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. A <laughs> couple stories yesterday and today. That's, that's not junk science. That's good advice, that Marshall. That is good an advice. hour and a half of extra <laughs> yes. sleep per day. Again, here, listen to the quitter. <laughs> that's a wrap. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips. The Armstrong and Getty Show, the voice of the West. <laughs> well, yeah, just slip that in there. Extra hour and a half sleep. <laughs> Why don't you just cut back on some of your binge-watching to do that? There you go. That's what I'm going to do. You got to make it a priority. You got to do the hard work of staying asleep. (laughs) So, this came out. President's vocabulary by grade level, according to some sort of study. Oh, boy. What makes me think this may be somewhat unflattering to the current POTUS? Right. And it's, uh, you know... well, I'll explain it all when we get there. We should play some more of the the big meeting yesterday, which is really pretty interesting. Sure, I'm up for it. On immigration and and troubling. By and the way. we have what's going to kill you by age. It's amazing how it changes and evolves and the differences between men and women. Wow. All on the way on the Armstrong and Getty Show. This is Armstrong and Getty. The voice of the West.
The Armstrong and Getty Show. This group comes back, hopefully with an agreement, this group and others from the Senate, from the House, comes back with an agreement. I'm signing it. I mean, I will be signing it. I'm not going to say, oh, gee, I want this or I want that. I'll be signing it because I have a lot of confidence in the people in this room that you're going to come out with something really good. That's an interesting way to approach it. I get it as a negotiating tactic. I understand what he's doing. It's, you know, it's the carrot and not the stick. It's it's putting a really good outcome out there and making them rise to it. I just don't think it'll work. I, it reminds me sometimes of Barack Obama's belief that he was just so incredibly persuasive and charismatic that he would get world leaders to fall at his feet and agree to see the world the way he did. Well, Trump's the same way on this immigration thing. Are you kidding they, they are in their camps. They The Democrat Party is betting their future on importing brown voters and then giving them citizenship. The Republican Party is all about inexpensive labor for business, at least from the uh, donor class. And that's not going to change because of the charm and the awesome deal-making skill of Donald J. Trump. It's not. Um, it's interesting. So they, they, they let the media hang around for this, this long meeting. And um, so a lot of people have observed that Trump did this to show he's not an idiot. Do you think that's what was going on there? That it was pushed back against that book from the last week that he's a, uh, you know, a dullard, a nut job, a, a this or that, mm. and then that so that so that the world could see him running a meeting and sit there and uh, talk about the various issues and everything like that. Sure, yeah, not only holding his own with a bunch of U.S. senators, but to be in charge of it. And I think he, you know, acquitted himself quite nicely because those charges are... Are stupid. Do you think that's what he was trying to do, though? That's why the cameras were hanging around. You know that univer- that opinion seems to be pretty universal. Yeah, um, and I I can't disagree with it. You know he's 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 uh, thin skinned, childish, and uh, and and uh, easily butt hurt, but he's not mentally ill. Personality disorder, maybe. So about an hour from now, we have Milo Yiannopoulos on. How do you feel about that? Um, fine. Good. I still feel about Milo what I've always felt about Milo. Um, he seems like Steve Bannon to be on a bit of an island as more and more people think, you know, he's just too much trouble to defend. Um, the controversial, the unpopular parts of him are not worth the good stuff. That seems to be kind of the the zeitgeist. I, I don't give a damn for the zeitgeist which is the name from a new kind of hardcore folk album. Um, hardcore folk? Yeah, yeah you got to hear it. got to hear it. Well, I think he's still the best person I've ever heard on uh, free speech. Best person I've ever heard speak about free speech. Uh, yes, Milo Yiannopoulos. I would agree. I would absolutely agree. And most of the negatives against him are fictional. And I want to ask him if or, he... Or grossly uh, exaggerated. And I want to ask him if he thinks the current Bachelor is gay from The Bachelor. So I don't know if he'll answer that question, but... You know, some of you folks swing a little left, which is fine. We can still be friends. But you remember, uh, for instance, um, uh, oh, I apologize, but uh, some of the folks in charge of the uh, Patriot Prayer Rally that were portrayed as bigots, 
hate mongers, the alt-right, by the mainstream media, by the San Francisco Chronicle, by the TV news stations in the Bay Area, et cetera, et cetera, then we got those guys on the air and we grilled them and it became utterly clear they were nothing like that. We'd ask you to uh, extend the same courtesy to Mr. Yiannopoulos. We'll talk to him in about an hour. Um, and then you're going to tell us here coming up uh, what we're going to die from or what? Yes. Yeah, that's yes. handy to know. Some of you, it's going to be me. So Watch you, your back. So have you ever heard the of the <laughs> was Feisch? That a, was that a threat? I think that was a threat. Oh, oh yeah. That, that, was, was a, that was a threat. That was a death threat. <laughs> have you ever heard of the feisch Kincaid grade level scale? I, oh, are you kidding me? Well, I check myself on it every day. <laughs> I'm up a pound. Um, according to this analysis... Um, now, this is from a website with a, it's like factbase.com or something like that. It's right. it, This isn't from like a New York or any sort of actual reputable thing. I, as yeah, far as but I, I have heard of this scale yeah, and, yeah, and what yeah. it purports to stun. Yeah. Which I'm, I don't think I buy, which I'll explain in a second. But the analysis assessed the first 30,000 words each president spoke in office. And they went through a whole bunch of different presidents. They went through with the first 30,000 words that each president spoke. Wow. And then ranked them on this grade level scale that they claim is accurate. I don't know. It's, the methodology. it's the state of the art. Go on. And more than two dozen other common tests analyzing English language, difficulty levels, et cetera, et cetera. And they had uh, Trump speaking at a fourth grade level, lowest of the last 15 U.S. presidents, mm. according to that. Mm. Now, I think it would be worth pointing out. Uh, that while they have Trump speaking at a fourth grade level and at the bottom of 15 presidents, uh, the second to the bottom is uh, Harry S. Truman, who is ranks way high in terms of what people think of presidents. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what you're supposed to do with that information then. Yeah. Well, so what would be my answer to that? Right. You either communicate to people or you don't. Well, um, and it could be argued that coming off like, for instance, a college professor is not the greatest way to reach people. Well, yeah. Well, let me look at the other end. The, the highest, uh, where people speak at the highest grade level. Mm-hmm. Hoover, who has not fared well in history. Hoover! Unfairly, because the history is written by liberals. Carter, who has not fared well in history. Mm. Are your two top, in terms of speaking, it's all smarty pants style. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, again, you got Trump, who knows how history will judge him. You got Truman, who's done pretty well. Now, Obama finishes right behind Hoover and Carter in terms of talking smarty pants. And uh, then Ford. Really? Jerry Ford. Right right in the middle, if you want to go right in the middle. This is kind of interesting. Right in the middle, Kennedy and Reagan. I don't know if that means anything. And Clinton Hmm. on both sides. So the three in the middle, Reagan, Kennedy, and Clinton. Which I think might be where you probably want to be. Actually, I don't think it probably matters at all, would be my conclusion. Well, it's one of those things. It might matter, but it might be counterbalanced by something else that, you know, isn't uh, considered there. Now, it Trump, you know, if you read The Art of the Deal, which I haven't, but people have told me what's in it, and that's good enough, <laughs> it's good enough for me. Uh, I got, dang it, I've said so many times i got to read that book. Something tells me it's a pretty quick read. Um, I actually had somebody say to me, how could you possibly cover the Trump White House, have it as your job, and have not read The Art of the Deal, which is probably a fair blast. I still have not read it. Is that the one uh, ghostwritten by a guy who says Trump is the shallowest, most loathsome human being he's ever met? Is that the book? I think it is. Anyway, um, one of his strategies is keep it very simple Mm -hmm. and repeat yourself 
so people understand exactly where you come from so, and remember it. If nothing else, they walk away with the, oh, he wants to build a wall. Right. So that's a strategy. I mean, it's a strategy stated out loud. Sure. Keep it very simple. So, you know, it's not surprising that he would speak well at a level normally engaged in by nine-year-olds. <laughs> by the way, I got a second grader, and uh, I understand him every day. He speaks perfectly fine. Yeah. We have conversations regularly. Sure. I would imagine it'll only uh, increase in its depth by the time he's in fourth grade. That's plenty fine. And that, that, It's not like when you talk to a fourth grader, they go, Gah! Rock! Gah! Gah! Hungry! Gah! That's not the way fourth Fire graders... Bad. That's not the way fourth graders talk. Right, so. right. And I'd imagine... Well, I don't have to imagine. I imagine you talk to him about life, love, fear, hope, sadness, happiness, you know, d- d- birth, death, animals, weather, you know, right? Sure. Sure. So there you go. There you go. <laughs> so he speaks like a nine-year-old. <laughs> so you know who else does? Nine-year-olds. Are you anti-nine-year-old? Are you? No. <laughs> So leave the POTUS alone. What is going to kill you coming up? Boy, that's a segment you don't want to miss. telling you. Do you have the day? Can you come up with the day? Yes, I do. I will tell you the day you're going to kick it. End of what? End of what? (laughs) Awesome. We're going to check in with Alex Stone at some point on those mudslides, which is getting a lot of attention. Unbelievable. Also, oh, one of my favorite stories of the year out of Portland. Yes, I know the the, uh, year is early. A fantastic prank played on politicians. All coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. 